Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. I want to say thank you to the pastoral staff again and, and all you guys for, for your support of the uh, Celebrate Recovery program here at Day 3. We are uh, just a little over one and a half years that we have been offering this program here um, at Day 3 Church. Uh, but this is a program that's been, it, it's over 20 years old, and uh, it's in tens of thousands of churches across the, across the world uh, helping people um, that, that are struggling with uh, a lot of different types of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And I uh, just want to say thank you. Okay, so what is Celebrate Recovery? I'm just going to do a a condensed version of what Celebrate Recovery is. We have a lot of guest speakers uh, that are going to talk a little bit after I'm done. But uh, to jump right in, Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step recovery program. It's based on the words of God in the Bible. It's foundationally based on the Beatitudes, on the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew 5. Okay, it's, it's 12 steps. It's for any hurt, habit, or hang-up. The first thing people think of when they think of a recovery program is they automatically gravitate towards the drug and alcohol challenges. Yes, we have a lot of folks that are struggling with that. I myself have struggled with that, and I'm going to get into that more in a few minutes. But this is for any hurt, habit, or hang-up. We have a lot of people dealing with depression. That's a big, big thing. Just look at the world around us, everything that's going on. It's easy to get depressed, isn't it? So this is a safe place to go for anything you're struggling with, anything you need more help on. Jesus, we draw our power from Jesus' higher power. He died on the cross for us. He is the only one who gives us strength to get over these hurts, habits, and hang-ups that we're dealing with. We know that we can't fix ourselves. I know that I couldn't fix myself. I tried. We're humans. We're, brought, we're, we're born to be prideful and tough, and we can get through anything ourselves. We don't need anybody, right? I mean, that's, that's the way this world tries to bring us up to be. But until we're, we admit we're powerless over these, these depressions, depression, and, and uh, it could be, it could be a, a food addiction or gambling or, or a, a lot of different things. It's similar to a, a small, like a life group. You know, we've had life groups here for years. You know, in the life groups, we get together, but this is like a life group, but we take it a step further. It's kind of like a, an onion. You know, you peel back some of the layers on an onion in a life group. But this gives you the opportunity to peel back more layers on what you're really going through and give you a safe place to talk about these feelings that you have. Because these groups, it's what's said there stays there. It's a safe place to go. And we have a separate men's and women's group as well. So what to expect at a CR meeting? It starts at 6.30 every Friday 
we have a meal, a great meal, I might add. And uh, we get together in, in fellowship with each other. A lot of new people come on Fridays, and, and we get to know them for about 30 minutes or so. And uh, we all talk and, and have this meal. And then at 7 o'clock, we start a, a large group lesson. The, uh, the lessons are uh, 26 lessons in all. This is the, the full program. It's 12 steps, 26 lessons. And uh, every couple of weeks, we have a testimony night as well. So we might go a couple of weeks and have lessons and then have, have uh, special guests come in and give their testimony uh, from other CRs or from other churches of what Jesus did in their life. Hey, th- this isn't CR like a separate thing from church. This is an extension of the church ministry. Jesus is all in this program, an extension. So after we have our large group lessons, we break into small groups. Again, we have uh, a separate ladies and a separate men's group. Who needs it? Let me ask you the, a couple of questions. Are there things in your life that you do to hurt others? Is there something you wish you could live without? Is it time to crack this denial and admit that I am not in control of, of these hurts, habits, and hang-ups in my life? Do I have a painful hurt, habit, or hang-up from which I need to be freed? Are you ready to start a new life in Christ? If you answered yes to any of those Celebrate Recovery could definitely help you. Could definitely help you. I becomes we. I becomes we. We, in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ has the power to help you overcome these hurts, habits, and hang-ups. The fellowship within Celebrate Recovery and within our church community has the power together with Jesus Christ, to help you get through your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Don't ever think you're alone, because you're not. God tells us he will never leave us or forsake us. Who leads it? We are the leaders within the Celebrate Recovery. I'm I'm the the ministry leader, but we have several small group leaders and, and, and other um, leaders within the program, but we're all, we're all Christians that have been through 12-step recovery programs. Some of us have been trained for many years in it. Some of us have attended other types of, of 12-step recovery programs. But we share one thing in common. We've been victorious through the power of Jesus Christ in these programs to overcome our chains. So don't feel like you're going to be identified and looked down upon if you come to a program, if you come to a Friday night, because you will not. You're amongst friends here. Feel confident that what you talk about is going to be confidential. A little bit about me before I turn it over to our our first uh, uh, speaker. Back in my uh, late teens... I uh, got involved with uh, drugs. Uh, I also 
was in a relationship and uh, I had a, a, a baby boy that uh, that was uh, we had a baby boy and and he he died after a few days and uh, it set me down a path of destruction that I was very angry at God I didn't care about anything anymore all I cared about was cocaine and alcohol and just drowning myself in my self-pity and my anger. It went on for many years until I ultimately tried to commit suicide. I don't know what happened that night. I remember bits and pieces of things. I'm going to give it to the, to the hand of God who came down and, and saved me. That I wound up in a, somebody brought me to a hospital. I don't even know who. But in that hospital, God saved me because I have been clean for over 20 years. Tim, give him the glory. Give him the glory. But I was still had a lot of anger in me. I mean, the thing about it is when you ask Christ in your heart, he'll put that joy in your heart. You'll never be alone, right? But the thing about it is if if you made a big mess already, it's not going to automatically take all this stuff and wipe it from you. I mean, you still have to work through these things. But now you have the power of Christ inside you. So I was working through that. And and just to fast forward real quick so we we don't run out of time. When I started training for Celebrate Recovery, over two and a half years ago, it started to show me how much anger I really did, still did have inside. Even though I was over these addictions and things, there were still a lot of things I was holding on to, resentment and angers that I had. And it's helped me. It's helped me. It's helped lengthen that fuse. It's helped give me more patience. And it continues to help me today. So I urge you, if you're struggling with some kind of hurt, habit, or hang-up, or anger issues, or depression, man, come, come out on a Friday night and check us out. I'd like to invite Krista to come up, and she'd like to say a few words. Thank you. Uh, I'm Krista Compton. Um, you probably know me because I've been going to church here for 10 years. Um, I joined CR because I had nothing else to do. I'm old. Uh, but uh, God showed me, I, I don't have a, a hang up in, in drugs or alcohol, so I couldn't identify. But I could identify that uh, people need prayer and um, uh, that people hurt. And so I started joining, and I went through the books with everybody, uh, and um, uh, I really started seeing things in a different way. This morning, I read Hosea, um, and it said there that the Lord was hurting that he had made men, and, and his heart hurt. And I thought, uh, how many times do I hurt God 
not because I drink or have uh, alcohol or have uh, drugs, but because of the way I act, the way I don't show love to others. And what I experienced as, as I kept on going and God encouraged me, even though I shared with my son, I was discouraged sometimes because I said, what am I here for? Uh, he encouraged me to keep on going, Mom, just, just, this is what God has called you, keep on. And I learned of what real love is. We have a new group that came in just a few months ago. I never... Never have experienced love like I have from those people. Those people that have experienced hurt, hang-ups, and all those other things. And now I'm hurting with them. And I think uh, that's what God wants us to do. I think a lot of us need to be in this program to encourage people, to be there for them, to put our arms around them. We can't help them, but we can have that listening ear. Only Jesus Christ can help them. We know that. But we certainly can point because we have, have experiences, uh, especially if you're older. You, you went through a lot, you know. Uh, you can show them and, and be that support there and be that um, encourager. I want to thank John for the music he chose. That, 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 that's, that was all grace and that's all that we count on. We count on grace. We count on grace and CR because that's the only thing that gets us through is grace. And that doesn't matter what, whether we are uh, uh, Renee, whether we are John, whether we are Krista or anybody. All of us need grace. And praise God that he gives us grace. Thank you. My daughter, right here. She's adopted. <laughs> oh boy, there's a lot of naked people out here. Um, I'll tell you, in the first service, it was a lot easier because there's a lot less people I knew um, in that service, and there's a lot more people that I do know now. Um, but I'm going to start out. My, my name's Renee Marlar. Um, I'm actually 52 years old. I know I look older sometimes. Um, I am a believer of Jesus Christ, first and foremost. But I struggle with alcoholism. The biggest thing I struggle with is uh, depression. And I've had depression since I was probably 18, 19 years old. Um, when I'm drinking in my addiction... Um, I have no filter as far as anything goes. I, I have a pornography addiction, which is really tough to talk to people about because women are not supposed to have that. Um, I have low self-esteem, and um, my life started out mostly from a food addiction that I can't, still can't handle very well. Um, in my house, I grew up with a dad that drank um, every day, and a mother that did drugs every day. I have one sibling who's 54, and he's a heroin addict. And just uh, recently, it had been five years since I saw him, and I saw him two weeks ago. Um, as of today, I've been sober 2,014 days. 
But I'm planning to have a Cinnabon when I leave here. So, <laughs> so, so the things I want to bring out in my testimony are, and, and the reason I want to bring it out is because it's important for parents that are raising kids because I believe if I'd had some different things happen in my life, it might have been better. Um, my first experience with alcohol was at six years old. I learned how to mix a, a bourbon and um, Diet Mountain Dew. That's what my dad liked. And when my dad would see me, he'd put his fingers up, and I'd know that was my cue to go make my dad's drink. But I liked that because I was, I was wanting to be my dad's girl. But um, three things happened to me at 11. My parents divorced over their addictions and their infidelity. Um, at that time, at 11, we'd been dropped off like y'all just did vacation Bible school. I, I went to vacation Bible school. I got saved at one of those vacation Bible schools. Um, and baptized, but also at 11, I had my first drink, real drink, and it wasn't anything, I didn't really like it, but I didn't, nobody fussed at me for doing it, you know, um, so, you know, 11 years old, you think your kids don't really know a whole lot, but we have grandkids, and we know they know more than they should, um, so, um, at, um, 15, I got pregnant, my mom and dad both had just got remarried when I was 14 and a half, and I was alone, and I filled that time with people. I wasn't drinking then. I, I filled it with uh, sex, and yes, I got pregnant the very first time. Lucky me. But my daughter was six weeks old. My dad got killed in a car wreck by a drunk driver, and I was in a marriage that my dad made me marry the man whom I only knew for a couple months. And it was very volatile. Um, I would grow to hate the man that killed my dad because he was a drinker, you know. And I swore I'd never do that. But, you know, after a couple years, um, when I was 25, I had my first divorce. And, yes, I know a lot about marriages and divorces because I've been married three, four times and divorced three. And um, the man I married second was 11. He's a little bit 11 and a half years older than me. And I really believe now, once I look back at it, it's because I needed my dad. I miss my dad. Um, I really love my dad. But uh, I drank very little during this marriage, um, and we started going to church. Great. Um, he was a deacon. I was a deacon's wife. I taught Bible school. I taught um, GAs, and, you know, I thought I was doing the right things. But... <laughs> At this marriage, when I realized that I was more with a man that was my father, I couldn't be close to him. So we would end up getting divorced, another, my second divorce. Um, I did go back to school when I was uh, 27 and um, got my GD because I quit school when I was 16 because I was pregnant. And I went to become an OR tech. Um, I work at Fry. I started there in the late part of 92. And um, so... You know, I thought I was doing the right things. I thought I was on the right path again. Um, I was still attending church, but I would drink. And I realized that somebody told me one day, it was Matthew six twenty four. it says you can't serve two masters. And alcohol was my master, and so was God. But I liked alcohol a lot better on Saturday. So I was convicted that when I come to church on Sunday 
and did that on Saturday night that I, that I should be here. So, so I quit going to church. Um, and when I quit going to church, alcohol was free, more open than anything. I um, started dating a guy I went to high school with. He would become my third husband within a matter of a couple weeks because I knew him. But I realized going through recovery programs um, that I used him. And I used him because he was a drug addict and could drive good. And I was an alcoholic and couldn't. So um, we would uh, have a very rough marriage and end in many times police coming. But so we divorced in 2010. Six months later, I was arrested for my first DWI. And I blamed him because he wasn't driving me around. And um, I totaled my car. had never been in trouble before. First time I'd ever got handcuffs. You know, it's like, you know, here I am, you know, way past knowing what to do. Um, but I'll tell you, and I've said this before, to my, even to my lawyer at the time, I said, I didn't get in trouble. I said, I got provisional license. Um, I got a brand-new car out of it. Uh, 24 hours community service. Didn't lose my job, um, and I continued to drink. So um, 11 months and two weeks to the day, I was supposed to get my license back. I got arrested for my second DWI. This one's a little bit harder. Um, I would lose my license for four years. I would serve 30 days in jail. I'm afraid of jail, I'll tell you that. Um, but I still kept drinking. I wasn't, hadn't, hadn't had my conviction yet, but I was still drinking for six months. So I didn't have a car. I couldn't drive. They impounded the car, the brand-new car. Um, I remember when um, I was, had been drinking about five months after my first or my second conviction, I just, I just started praying to God. I was like, you know, I don't know what to do, but I need something. I need to do something different. Um, so... January 17th of 2011, which was almost right at six months after my conviction, I drank, and I'll tell you that when a person wants to drink, they can get alcohol, because I was walking, and I found out about Lowe's to go, so they delivered my wine to me, and the reason I say this is because you think that, well, you're you're by yourself, you can't do nothing, Uh, if you want it, you'll get it, so... um, I had drank that day and passed out, as usual, after I, you know, and um, so finally I said to God, I said, um, either send me home and, and, and take my life or help me, because I can't do it no more. I could not put down the wine. So um, that's the day that I realized I had put everything that I had learned in that Bible school in front of God, and that's what I consider an addiction, um, so moved to the fourth husband, um, John and I met, and I can say this cause he knows I will, but we met in recovery in AA. Um, I had been sober about five months, so he was, he was 13 step at me, if anybody knows what that means. And, um, so we would become a couple and the first thing I asked him, the first day we were together, I sat down and I handed him... A song, and it was by a uh, New World song. It was a talking. It's a Christian song, and I asked him. I said, "Would you like to go to church with me?" He said, "Nah, I ain't going to church. Don't 
I don't do nothing at church. So at that point, I started praying, Lord, just change him. Change him to where we got to have a normal life. Um, we were together almost a year, and he felt, the, he felt led to go to the Freedom Biker Church. And a lady that I very, love very much, Mala, was uh, there, and she in, had invited us, so we went. Second week, John was there. Both of us was there. He got saved. Two weeks. Um, that was good. I'll tell you, that's good. But um, um, I would form a relationship. His relationship, I would reform would form a jealousy of because, hey, I've been a Christian since I was eleven. What's you going to do with me? And John started wanting to preach. And at that time, I asked the pastor, I said, so why did God not pick me? I had as many problems as he did, except I went to jail and he didn't. And um, he said that God has called you to stand, be- stand beside your husband and be a pastor's wife. I went, oh, no, I can't be no pastor's wife because I like porn. And, and I've met people that says, I know you. And it's like, I don't know how I know them. Um, and that's scary because in my addiction, I blackout drink, and I would be out with people I'd never had even met. So I said, I can't do that. I can't be a pastor's wife. Um, But John got saved July 14th, and we were supposed to get married in January, which would have been my second year of sobriety. And John turned to me and said, God just told me living together and having sex outside the marriage is not right. I've been married. I mean, I've been married before and stuff. It's like, you, you don't cut that off. But what happened is God put a wedge between us that I had to choose to marry him sooner or to leave. And we got married, um, will soon be four years. So I'm just really not sure why it bothered me that God picked him because I didn't want to be a preacher. Um, but what I did know is that um, stand beside him and start doing um, a recovery program that we, we helped start at, at the church um, I was able to help people. When I told them stuff, they go, you won't believe I did the same thing. It's like, thank God somebody else did it. Um, so when people remember me, they don't just remember that I'm, a, I'm an addict. I am an addict. Um, but they remember that I helped them, and that was starting to feel pretty good. So just to give a short period of what happened before we came here, in, in February of this year, our pastor got killed. And John had been preaching where we were, and um, immediately my head just started swimming. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to be the pastor's wife. Not what he was going to do, but what I was going to do. And I thought, how in the world can I get up in front of people and be a pastor's wife and be an, and be an addict? But we would learn that God would shut that door so quick that it made my head swim. And I will say that I had a big resentment there, but I'm starting to move on past that. Um, God needed me here for some reason because we had came here a couple years ago when y'all first started the Celebrate Recovery program and we, we did our testimonies and we walked away, you know. We saw Mike and Mandy and when they came to our church and never once thought that we could be a part of anything else. Um, and I wrote this, and I'm going to read what I wrote you. I said, you know, God, my God has a great sense of humor. He took us from being at that broken place of that church that I love so much to a different church where I didn't know if I fit in or not, but I'm beginning to love the people here. Um, 
And <laughs> Pastor Lynn um, is the only person that reached out to John when, when all this stuff happened and um, has really become a good friend of ours. And, um, but since coming to CR here, um, I've met people like Krista and um, generally prays for people. You know, generally cares that I'm hurting. Um, and I found out some things that I hadn't told people. I'd never told John. Um, I said in our small group one night, and I don't mind saying it now because I feel better about saying it, is that during my first marriage, I didn't have a lot of money, so I stole food because I had a food addiction. And I didn't see it as stealing. I was just, I was going to pay it back one day, you know. But, you know, bringing this out in this small group has been um, a lifesaver. Um, I don't know where we're going. I know what I'm serving. Um, daily, I'm on my knees and I ask God to forgive me for the things I did. But I thank him for my sobriety. I thank him for relieving me of the pornography addiction. That when I say that, people say, you're hurting your husband. I say, no, I'm helping my husband because he knows I hurt. Um, there's many women that struggle with pornography. And to tell, to tell that, is really scary because I'm 52, but I'm telling it to people that are younger and people who are older. The people who are younger, I hope they realize that there's another way that you don't have to go there. Um, this is what I put in the end. I'm not sure where we're going or what we're going to do, but I'm sure I'm going to be obedient because this side of alcoholism is a lot better than where I was. And now I'm going to bring John. Oh, yeah, and by the way, every meeting we go to, we, um, we say the serenity prayer that's going to be on the screen. I'll let, go ahead and start. Let's, uh, let's stand and pray. And for those of you that like to pray with your eyes closed and don't know the serenity prayer, it's, it's okay to look at the screen. Because <laughs> even I have to in, uh, in parts of it. Especially me. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, Accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. So that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. See you, baby. Um, I will warn you <laughs> ahead of time that uh, based on where we are time-wise, we're going to go a little over today. Uh, I do have a, a message to deliver to you, and, and this message is very, very special to me. When I first got called to preach, the way God called me is he said, I want you to deliver a message to your church. And I had no idea where this is coming from. 
But he said, I want you to deliver the message that says, come as you are. That's the message that you need to deliver. So way back then, it's, it's been maybe two and a half years ago, I wrote this message. And it's taken different forms uh, as we go, and I've used different stories of the Bible. And I hope you like Bible stories, because uh, that's what this message is based on. And, and I'm going to share a couple of them with you today. And, uh, but anyways, what happens to you when Jesus talks to you? You know, I could, I could tell you that, that Jesus was talking to me this morning because I was sitting there thinking about going through this message and, and the tears started rolling down my face. I have an emotional reaction that, that enters me and, it, and it, it possesses me and it says, I'm here. That's what happened when I got saved. That's what happened to me this morning. It happens to me a lot because I, I do everything I can to try to keep Jesus right here. A lot of people can get Jesus here, but until you get it here, you've got some issues. That's a distance between heaven and hell. It's 12 inches. Until I get it in my heart, until I love Jesus with all my heart, I'm not going to feel those things. I'm not going to see those things. I'm not going to be spiritually awake. So this message was given to me, and I started down a pathway to, to preach at churches, and I, I got called to preach in Aiken, South Carolina, and I got called to preach a bunch of different places. That doesn't matter, because it's not about me. It's about him. I've got this t-shirt on, and it's, and it's kind of hard to read the front, but it says, it's not about me. And on the back, it tells about how it's about Jesus. We're washed in his blood. We're, we're saved by him. But you know something? I didn't have to be Mr. Clean to go to Jesus. I didn't have to be right with him before I came to church. I could come to him just like I was. And thank God for that. Because that started a change in my life that will never go back. It can't go back. The Holy Spirit is in here now. It can't go back. Have you ever ever felt... Like you didn't fit in somewhere? Have you ever felt like you walk into a, a room and it's like people are different than me? I don't know if you've ever had that feeling, but I used to get it a lot. Um, you can tell that I'm, I'm not your normal preacher. Not only do I wear one set of earrings, I wear two. And not only do I have one tattoo, but I have 12 or 14. I'm not your normal preacher. There are places that I've gone that I feel like I don't fit in. But this church is not one of them. When I came here, I felt a part of. When I came here, 
People loved me just like I was. Isn't that cool? That's, that's one of the reasons I'm here today. Because I'm loved just like I am. I love you just like you are. That's cool. That is cool. Celebrate Recovery is also one of those places. You don't have to be anything special to go to Celebrate Recovery. You're not going to feel different because we're all the same. I don't know about you, but I'm a screwed up person. I think in a lot of ways we're all screwed up people. If we look deep enough, we're going to find a defect. Some people like to shop too much. Some people like to go watch TV too much. Some people are into sports more than they're into Jesus. I have things that I've put in front of Jesus. I have to get convicted of those things to get them out of the way. But I'm just like you. And I'm going to tell you something. Your God loves you just like you are. He loves you so much. And we're going to talk about that. That brings me to the first point of the sermon. God loves us. He doesn't just love me. He loves us. I've got three verses that I want to talk about that, that, that lead me to believe that from the beginning of the Bible, God loved us. The first of those is Genesis 1.28. And Genesis 1.28 says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on earth. And I know I've got a slide for that, but that's okay. (laughs) But God loves us. That's why he would let us have dominion over his creation. This is in the Bible just after creation. He loves us enough and trusted us enough to take his creation and make it our own. We're the ones that mess that up. Right? Throughout the Old Testament, there are many stories like, like this where God is showing us that He loves us and that He's faithful to us. And one of those places comes in Lamentations, of all places in Lamentations. It's Lamentations 3 22 to 23, and it says, Because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God loves us, and he's faithful to us. Even when things aren't going good for us. When Jeremiah wrote this, (laughs) the Jews were in exile. Things were pretty miserable. God renews his love for us every morning. No matter what's going on in our lives. No matter what we've done. God loves us. 
And he's faithful to us. And, and that brings me to the next verse. And, of course, everyone knows this verse. Even me, as an unsaved person, I knew John 3.16. Because I had heard it somewhere along the way. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a gift. What a gift. If you sit back and you think about that, the fact that we have hope beyond death, when we die in the physical person, we're going to go on. It's actually going to be a celebration for us. If you think about that, that's the biggest gift anyone could give you. It replaces all the material of the world. It replaces everything except the love of God. God loves us, and he wants what's best for us. This verse also shows us that God was willing to sacrifice. You know, back in Old Testament times, the only way you could be forgiven of something is to have a blood sacrifice. And God showed us how much he loved us in that he sacrificed. He allowed the sacrifice of his son. He allowed that to happen for us. Why? Because he loves us and he wanted us to have the gift of eternal life. That's the God that I serve. I don't serve that... uh, old-time, wrathful God that throws lightning bolts at you. I serve a loving God. Love is all through the Bible, from the beginning to its end. Jesus had that same nature. You know, that's what's so important about this message today. It's not, again, about me. It's about the nature of of our Savior. It's about His love for us. It's about His nature. Jesus helped people all the time He was on the earth. Jesus stepped out of His way to take a person known as a sinner and save him. That's what He did for me. He drew me to Him And he saved me. I get really emotional when I think about that deeply. Because I didn't deserve that. Not with the crap that's in my past. So Jesus, during his ministry, helped a lot of people. Saved a lot of people. And his nature was to save the lost. He came here to tell us about the kingdom of God, and he came here to save lost souls. There are stories after stories after stories of this, but I'm going to share two of those with you today. And the first one is the story of Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus, uh, and you'll see that I like to use pictures when I throw this kind of thing together because it gives us a visual But Jesus was coming through Jericho, and, you know, I found something out. 
that I didn't know because, you know, I didn't have a church upbringing. But I found out that Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Isn't that something? I never learned that song. <laughs> I was studying for this, and my wife said, yeah, there's a song about that. I said, really? <laughs> so I had to learn it. <laughs> but anyways, so this wee little man was a tax collector. You know, back then, the tax collectors were extortionists. They worked for the Romans, and they collected taxes, and if they collected excess, they got to keep it. So Zacchaeus was really rich. He had it all. But you know, Jesus was coming through town, and he was short, so he couldn't see him. And he was drawn to Jesus. So he climbed up in the tree. And starting in verse 5, it says, When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain, he's gone to lodge with a sinful man. That was a big deal back then, and it was a big deal back then because the Jews thought that if you hung out with sinners, you were going to become just like them. You were going to start extorting, you were going to start lying, you were going to start cheating, whatever that sinner was doing, you were going to start doing that. Jesus wasn't afraid of that. Jesus came to save lost souls. And moving on, in verses 8 through 10, it says, But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord, and if I've extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay it back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Jesus immediately saved a sinner. Without question, no matter what was in his past, he saved him on the spot. That's the nature of our Lord. He doesn't care where you've been. He cares where you're going. So that's come as you are. And one thing that's really important to note is that Zacchaeus was not saved because he was willing to pay back money to people. He wasn't saved because (laughs) he wasn't going to steal the people's stuff. He was saved because he was lost. He was saved Because Jesus came to save lost souls. And that brings me to the second point in the sermon. Not only does God 
love us, and God does love us. His son came to save the lost. Jesus came to save you and me. Because whether we like it or not, we're born lost. And Mike mentioned this earlier, if we've committed one sin, we've committed all of them. But Jesus came to save us. That's his nature. The second story that I'm going to go over today is the story of when the the Pharisees and the scribes brought uh, a young woman who was caught in the act of adultery to see Jesus. See, they were always scheming to try to catch Jesus at doing something wrong, so they brought this so-called adulterous woman in front of Jesus, and they wanted to see how he would judge her. They were willing to stone this woman to death right there in front of Jesus. That's what the scribes and the Pharisees would have gleaned from the law that they were supposed to do. So I'm going to dive into the scripture. It says, They said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law... Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. I wonder what he was writing. You know, there are some people that have uh, thought that maybe he was writing down the list of sins of the men that were standing around her. Uh, But the Bible doesn't tell us that. But it's fun to think about, isn't it? (laughs) He, He could have been writing anything. But Jesus knew those people and what they were thinking ahead of time. Moving on to verses 9 through 11. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. And I want to stop right there a minute. How far do you think that woman is from Jesus? Maybe a foot and a half? I wonder how that feels to be a foot and a half from Jesus. I wonder what that could be like. I want to know what that feels like. That's amazing 
that people got to interact with God in the flesh that close. The power was in him. It's in him today. And when I interact with him, I feel it. I want to know what that feels like on the last day when I'm presented to him. He's going to judge me, all right. (laughs) He's got lots to judge for. But I want to feel what that feels like. It's got to be amazing. But moving on, it brings me to the third point of today's message. Jesus does not condemn. If you feel condemned, folks, that's coming from somewhere else. That's coming from Satan. That's coming from the enemy. Jesus does not condemn. And that gets reiterated later in Romans in chapter 8 where he says, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We're told again and again that Jesus does not condemn. So what does that tell us about us? We're supposed to be conformed to Jesus, correct? That's what we're supposed to do. So if we see somebody that's afflicted, if we see somebody that's different than us, if we see somebody that's in need, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to help them, right? We're supposed to not condemn them. We need to remember that when people walk into our church and they're not like us. We need to remember that when people need help, we can point them to things like Celebrate Recovery to get the help that they need. Celebrate Recovery is all about that. My God, if you know somebody that's suffering with depression, with anger, with family problems, point them to Celebrate Recovery. Because all of those are recovery issues. All of them. If you know somebody that watches too much TV, send them to Celebrate Recovery. Then at least they'll get a couple hours where they're not watching TV. (laughs) that brings me to point four we who have sin in our lives and face it we all do should not condemn others if we're to be like Jesus we should not condemn others we need to express to others the love that Jesus expresses to us You see, Jesus loves us, and he wants a personal relationship with you. You and him. I never knew I could have that until I got saved. I always thought God was this big nefarious bubble somewhere that was up there, done with me because I was a loser. Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to be the closest friend that you have in your life. 
He wants to be that intercessory. So when God looks at us, he sees him. To filter the sin that's in our life. Thank God for that. Because without that, I'm done. I don't stand a chance. The wages of sin is death. So I should be dead. This last week... You know, and God does some funny things when I'm preparing to do a sermon. He threw a devotional in front of me on Friday, and it's not included in the message because uh, uh, I had already turned it in by then. So this was my devotional Friday morning, and and it was talking about how God accepts me as I am. It says, unlike the culture of this world, he takes me as I am hot mess that I am, whether I am tired, worn out, happy, excited, or frustrated, he receives me by his grace. It's like the criminal on the cross. He was received by grace on the very last day of his life. Jesus didn't care what he had done. He wants you just like you are. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to be drawn to him and live for him and have that relationship that brings joy right here. So I'm going to ask the the band to return. I know there's a lot of believers in this room, but I also know that there's probably at least one or two of you that haven't taken the dive. Haven't taken that step that brings you closer to God. Haven't taken that step that brings you through the blood of Jesus to God. Jesus loves you. Don't walk out of here today without knowing him. Don't walk out of here today without experiencing the love that he can bring into your life. Jesus changed you. I'm talking to the believers, right? He changed you, right? Jesus can change every single person who comes to believe in him. That's what the Bible tells me. He has that power. He has that ability to do that. So I invite you. Come and pray with me. Come and pray with the person that brought you here today. Come and pray with somebody that you'll be able to find Jesus just as he is and he'll accept you just as you are. I know I screwed up the guys in the, in the sound booth because I cut the end off. <laughs> but we're running out of time. <laughs> so, um, 
So come just like you are. Come to that place where you can have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Come to that place where he can do his work in your heart to change you. And if you've got problems in your life, come to celebrate recovery. Because that's where he can do his work on you. So Father, we, we thank you for today and we thank you for the ability to come to you just as we are. God, uh, we are so unworthy of your, your love, but God, you, you, you spill it out on us in a way that we can't understand. Father, we, uh, we know that you love us. And we know that if we ask you into our hearts and that we ask your Son to be our Lord and Savior, that we'll find that relationship that brings us closer to you. So we ask that we do just that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.